It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Travis Hauser. And this last weekend, I had a great time with my family practicing at the driving range. We actually haven't played any golf for over a month, and I was curious to see how not only myself, but also how my oldest son, how he would remember and be able to play the game of golf. And he came back even stronger. He didn't forget a thing, so I thought that was quite interesting. If you haven't taken a break or tried some other sports from, you know, just getting away from the game of golf, give it a try. You'll be curious to see how your kids come back even more interested and more motivated to play better golf. Today we have a great interview with David Emmerich from Goat Hill in sunny San Diego, California. Golf is hard. I mean, you put the peg in the ground, you play 18 holes, it's you know good, bad, and ugly like all day long and pretty emotional. So um, I just think encourage the participation and, and do look at the, the long range. Like, you know, sometimes I'll tell the kids, hey, look, look at nine months ago, you couldn't even get the ball in the air and now look how you're doing. So, you know, it's always important, I think, to look back. So do look back where you started and where you are now and you'll see that, wow, I'm really, I've really gotten a lot better. David's been a PGA member since 1988 and been a teaching professional for 25 years. He's also been a two-time Golf Digest Top 50 Teacher in California and San Diego PGA Teacher of the Year. When I think of junior golf in Southern California, I think of David Emmerich and Goat Hill. We're going to talk about some stories from Goat Hill. It's a magnificent facility, especially for junior golf, and it's got so many great stories from so many locals in that area. And we're also going to talk about how to make golf fun, affordable, and competitive. So if you're interested in hearing about these things, then this is going to be a great episode for you. All right, David, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I'm actually, uh, first of all, I have to say I'm I'm really jealous about you because you live in one of my favorite places in the world in San Diego. And I actually lived there for a few years. I lived in Pacific Beach before I made the ultimate decision to move to China. And ever since I've left, I've always said that I'll find a way back. So I just want to let you know that up front. Well, you're always welcome back. How long have you lived in San Diego for? I moved here in 1979. So it's not where you originally grew up. Where are you from? I'm from a little town outside of Cleveland called Lorain, Ohio, a little steel steel mill town and Ford plant, you know, pretty industrial kind of place, pretty uh, Midwestern, hard workers kind of place. And uh, so obviously you've never looked back, have you? No, I tell my kids, I go, hey, you know, the best thing I ever did was moved out of Lorain. <laughs> oh, that's great yeah i mean san diego is a beautiful place and it's certainly a hot spot for the game of golf isn't it yeah it's crazy it's uh a lot of courses a lot of kids a lot of players it's uh you know beautiful weather we have you know you play golf 365 days a year so it's uh it is a very very hot spot for golf yeah i mean i always loved it for sure and you know from the academy that i worked at in china you know, we organize these summer camps every year to come to San Diego or I guess Southern California. And we've had the opportunity to actually play in a couple golf matches against you and your juniors. And uh, what an experience that must have been for for all the kids and, you know, from both sides, from your team, from Team USA and our team from China, huh? 
Uh, we had a blast. I still have the, uh, you know, we autographed something. We, I still have the autograph flag that the, the both teams, you know, signed. And, you know, my theory is always it's it was more like a get-together than a, you know, a match or a tournament. You know, I always make it, uh, it's a fun, you go out there, do the best you can and, and see how it goes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the funny thing is, is I remember kindly requesting to you if uh, you could put together a team that would be, you know, somewhat competitive with with our team. And what I meant by that was not to put out your your sluggers and just completely beat us down. And you said, yeah, yeah no problem. No worries. And uh, so we showed up both years. And I know it's not about that, but you guys definitely kicked our butt both times, didn't you? <laughs> Well, you know, the Goat Hill Park is a home course advantage. If you've never played the Goat, it's uh, it's quite an experience at first. Right. <laughs> That's great. We had home course advantage. There's no question about that. Oh, there's no question about that. That's for sure. Yeah, you guys clearly showed that you guys had home course advantage. And it's something that when the kids always came back from the States after that summer camp, like that was the one thing that they always remembered and talked about was the friendly match. It wasn't about the tournaments. It wasn't about you know, the practices, the practice rounds or anything else they're doing. It was always the friendly match was the one that they talked about and they love the pizza afterwards. And it's just funny what kids remember, isn't it? Oh, there's, there's no doubt. They remember the pizza, the candy, the talking to each other, the, the meeting the other kids more than the, you know, the match or the, the winning, right? The winning's more about what the parents care about or the, some coaches care about the, you know, we really like to embrace the process and the socialization of the game, you know, even that, you know, the younger kids, socialization is getting even you know, since COVID is even getting worse, right? Right. Absolutely. We're trying to bring them all together. Well, certainly now I'd say during COVID, I think the game of golf at least is one way that the kids and families can get out and safely socialize with other people. And so I think we're very fortunate for that, aren't we? Yes. Yes. It's, uh, it's been challenging. You know, we were in the North County Junior Golf with the COVID, but the numbers of we've had double the number of kids playing. That's crazy. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. I mean, it, it's it's certainly good for the game of golf, and hopefully we can retain all these golfers, and golf will continue to grow over the next few years, you know? There's no stopping. It's been around for a while, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> well, so today, we're going to kind of take a fun route in this conversation. So one thing that I read from one of your social media posts, or maybe it was a link from the tournament play, but it was kind of like, make golf fun, affordable, and competitive. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, I want to know a little bit more about yourself. And then we're going to talk about where you work as well, because I think where you work is a very unique place. And a lot of people don't know about it, or if they've heard about it, they don't know the details and ins and outs like you do. So let's get started with with some of those questions. So what I want to know from you, David, is how long have you been involved in the game of golf? Uh, I started in 1967. I know I know it's hard to believe, you guys. It's 1967. Yes, I started in the 60s, like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. You know, we had persimmon drivers, and we wore real spikes and a lot of balls. And, and, you know, <laughs> I, and I played, you know, Nancy Lopez irons or Kathy Whitworth or irons as a kid. You know, we didn't have junior clubs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking a whole other language to probably most of the listeners, but I think what we can all understand is that it was a different time and it was a different game, wasn't it? <laughs> well, the game kind of stays the same, but it was definitely a different time. No, no question about that. And when did you get involved in coaching or when did you start to take golf more seriously and have it become your profession? 
when I moved to California in 79, I turned pro, and then about 1988, I became a PGA member, and that's kind of when I started teaching the junior golf and, and, and started North County Junior Golf. But, you know, going back to my beginnings, you know, where did my passion and drive come from? There definitely was a somebody who stoked that and a couple people, actually. And I think it's kind of why I do what I do now is um, we had a little nine-hole dumpy course in Lorraine. We, it was called Emerald Valley, and there was nothing emerald about it. <laughs> it was, and there was no valley on it, but it was called Emerald Valley, and it was owned by a family. And um, one day, my friends and I, we walked down there, and we started, we golfed, and uh, I think I shot 90. I said I shot 99 for nine holes. My friends said I had 103. So <laughs> that kind of upset me. But, um, you know, we, we went back the next year. We got a junior membership. It was $25 for the whole summer. We could play Monday through Friday. Couldn't tee off after three because we had leagues. and. The pro there was Joe Kacherik, who I really, you know, I really owe everything to. He's since passed on, but uh, Joe was the pro, and he, he, you know, encouraged us to play, and he brought us in, and, you know, we admired Joe. He was a tall, good-looking, combed his hair right, had the big tour bag, drove the, you know, drove the, uh, what do you have? He had a Thunderbird car, you know, we just, boy, we looked up to Joe, and he was, he was really my role model, and it's, there was another, a couple other people along the way, but, uh, that one person who really stuck in my mind really, I mean, it changed my life. So what was his personality like or what did he do even beyond golf that changed your life? Well, his, his family owned the course, you know, so um, he was a pro. He'd give lessons. And, you know, he, I mean, at 12 years old, I was, I was a shag boy. You know, he would give a lesson on the first hole. We didn't have a range. I had a little range, but later in the day, he'd give a lesson. I was the shag boy. I dumped the balls out. He had me go out in the fairway like 100 yards and, he'd, you know, they'd hit at me and I'd pick up the balls. <laughs> so I've been he, there. <laughs> he involved us, he involved us, right? He you know, he, he encouraged us. They never charged us for a lesson. I mean, we we were working in the golf shop, working on the courses, 13-year-olds. It was it was really uh it was just that's what I think really changed my life is that uh, I saw the passion that Joe had. And he was a PJ member and I liked all the things that you know, I saw that he had and I thought, man, that that may be the way to go. Well, that's very cool. My story is kind of similar, but it's just that I started working at a golf course as well when I was 14 years old and I worked in the cart barn, you know, picking up range bowls, washing carts. And here I am today as well. And I definitely idolized the pros in the golf shop, maybe not to the same level that you did with Joe or had the same relationship, but that certainly sprung me forward in the game of golf. And I bet there's a lot of other golf pros out there that have very similar stories as well. That's why I think the golf pro is important. I mean, it's, you know, you realize, I know a lot of them are into it for making money, but I mean, you're really, uh, you know, I just want to pass on what Joe, you know, I, I learned the passion from Joe, the pro, and, you know, maybe somebody will learn it from me. Right. I totally agree. Uh, I think that we are role models and kids do look up to us. And I think that, you know, teaching golf is definitely more than just for the money. And I think there's so many learning experiences out there for kids and, you know, we have to send them in the right path. So I couldn't agree more. It's good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got some children, don't you? I have two boys, a 30-year-old and a 24-year-old. Yes. Yes. And do they play golf? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We're a golfing family. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, it's kind of what we do on vacation. We do basically like uh, all the time. You know, as they get older, there's not much to do with the kids. So, um, you know, going golfing is one. Yeah. Evan, he played... Uh, he was CIF champ, a great junior player, played at San Diego State. Now he's been the coach, their assistant coach for the last uh, 
2008, he went there, and he's never come back. No way. My younger son, uh, Alex, he played baseball in college, so he was a he didn't quite have the temperament for golf, but right. <laughs> Fair enough. When you raised your two sons, and I assume you were the one that taught them the game of golf, how did you coach them? I mean, did you coach them to become good players, or was it always just something that was to be fun? Well, it's a little bit of both, right? It's always, you know, first, you know, being a good sport, respecting the game, you know, having the proper etiquette, you know, making the right decisions, I mean, on the course and in life and stuff. So I did coach them. I'm not sure I did it exactly the right way, you know? I mean, like I said, I played junior golf. My parents never played golf, so I was kind of taught myself how to how to play and, you know, played junior golf as a youngster in Cleveland and then kind of passed it on to Evan. And like I said, I'm not sure I did the right thing most of the time, but I think some of the time I did. And I didn't really, really say, hey, you, I should, you should be a tour player. You know, I never really, I almost always kind of discouraged it, which I'm not sure that's a good thing or not. I think, you know, it works both ways. I mean, some parents are just all in and, and say, hey, if you want to be a tour player, we'll do everything in our, you know, our power to help you and support you. I was more like, you know, let's be a social golfer and, and compete and play at a high level and then see where it takes you. Then you can make your decision. What other kind of mistakes do you think you made looking back on it, you know, with raising your boys in the game of golf? Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I should have never caddied for him in the first place. Probably. Right. I, I think, I've heard I think that before. It's like the worst thing to do. Like even in North Carolina Junior Golf, since COVID, we don't allow spectators anymore. And it's like fantastic. So I think the first thing, you know, Monday you're working on chipping like all day and you're chipping it an inch. Right. And then Tuesday you get in a tournament and you, you chip it halfway, right? And your parent goes, geez, you know, <laughs> we just hit this shot. I mean, come on, you chip it like, you know, you hit it halfway to the hole. What's up? You know, so. It's not just parents that think that. Unfortunately, I've, as a coach, I've thought that as well. I'm like, what's going on, right? But you kind of have to get back to reality and understand it's the game of golf, right? And practicing hitting 100 balls to the same pin is not going to give you the same result as what happens in tournament play, is it? Right. And then they make the putt. <laughs> yeah. See, I told you so. Well, it didn't really matter anyhow, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think I think I did a lot of a lot of good. We have a really good relationship. He loves the game. I mean, he's he's a great coach. He's uh, San Diego State's a great team. He's really happy where he's at. He's uh, we're happy where he's at, and he's met a lot of great people. And he's a he's really a really a good kid, and going to be a great coach. That's cool. It kind of reminds me, Matt Reagan from Operation 36, I had a chat with him and what he said was, what you actually really want is you want something to do with your kids when you get older and when you retire and golf is a great opportunity for that. So it should be fun and it should be something that you can have your kid play for the rest of their lives so that you can play together. It sounds like you did do a lot of right things so that now you and your kids go on vacations, you go on holidays and golf is what you guys do for fun. Yeah, I just wish they would pay for a round, you know. They... <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I don't mind paying, actually. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you might be waiting for a while for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Good. You work at Goat Hill, and I think you have a lot of history with Goat Hill. And I knew Goat Hill because I lived in San Diego, and it really came apparent to me that Goat Hill was this kind of golden mecca. And the reason I say that is that because it came on the media. And I think it was 2014, there was this huge news, and it was, I think it was all over the golf world about Goat Hill. So 
tell us a little bit about Goat Hill, what it is, and maybe give us a little bit of history and just the dynamic of the entire place. Yeah, there's. I'm one of the partners at Goat Hill. I'm in a small equity, I mean, sweat equity partner. So, I mean, John Ashworth was the, the visionary of the, the course. It's, John was a member at Lacoste. I've been friends with John for a long time and since 1980. And we're playing golf, and John opened up Link Soul just in Oceanside. He came over and played Goat Hill Park. And I had played it once, maybe in the 80s, but it, he calls me up. He goes, hey, you got to come out to the Goat. I'm like, the goat? What? The goat? I go, come out to the goat. It's like, where is it? What is it? You know, so I came out and played with them, and it was just, uh, a, just a different experience altogether, right? And it's hard to describe it. So John's been a great golfer for, you know, forever, and he has a degree in agronomy from Arizona. And, you know, the course came up. It was, you know, we had known the owner kind of, and it, he had passed away, and then it kind of went into disrepair, and the city of Oceanside was subsidizing it, and it was just, they were just running it down, running it down, and John and I and a couple other guys would play it, and we'd be there in the evening, and there'd be nobody there in the most beautiful place. It's like ocean view, unbelievable sunsets, and and our, our from our heart, our really idea was, we got to save this place for other people. I mean, other people have to enjoy what we're enjoying right now. So they had a, the city council put it up for bid. And, you know, at the last minute we talked John into, you know, we've been debating, you know, should I try to get the course, you know, we're debating. And so we kind of talked John into it and we had a city council meeting and um, John was first on the, the ballot, the ducket to talk. So John texted me like five minutes. He goes, Hey, I'm, I'm stuck in Vegas. I can't get there. Can we be last up? And so I had to go to city council and say, hey, you know what? John's not here. He's our speaker. We need to go last. And like, well, we don't usually do that, but okay. So John shows up late, comes in, gives this little speech, which is about, you know, three minutes long. And, and they all, they're nodding their head. And John, they're like, do you have anything else, John? He's like, well, I think that's it. They're like, you sure? Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's like, no, I'm good. We're going to turn into a park, you know. We have dogs, we have Frisbees, we've got North County Junior Golf, we're going to open to the kids. And the great thing about the GOAT is everybody had a story. Like, you know, we're going to try to save GOAT. Like, well, I started there. I, I was there with my dad. I used to play there with my dad and my grandpa or my uncle was a marshal there. I mean, everybody had a story about the GOAT. So it, it, it really the plan is lined up and everything. It's still everything is lining up and, and knocking wood going our way and uh, John is just a visionary and there's a few more partners we have now where they see the value of golf needs this kind of stuff like we know we allow dogs we have no dress code Uh, we have one rule but that's about it (laughs) that's great I uh, saw on the website as well like just the support they had beyond just the locals you know some celebrities and golfers right so I saw those shirts that were made that said save goat hill and I saw it was Adam Scott Bill Murray Mark Wahlberg, Jeff Ogilvik, and Kelly Slater, they all took a picture uh, with the shirt on, right? Just supporting Goat Hill. So it's obviously, like you said, everybody's got a story about it. And certainly what you guys did was a great thing. And, you know, here we are today and Goat Hill's still going strong. And I look forward to the future of Goat Hill as well. And I'd like to get back there and play it again. It's just so unique of a place. It's, you know, it's not a short course. I mean, it's not an executive course, and it's not a long course. It's just that it's 4,500 yards of up and down hills, a par 65, and it's just uh, greens are little. And uh, it's just uh, you, you don't get too many flat lies. The wind blows. It's 
if you can play the goat, you can, you know, you can, you can play anywhere. And, you know, and Dean Wilson, I don't know if you know who Dean Wilson is, but Dean's, uh, you know, played on tour for so many years, won the international, played with Annika. You know, he's our first club champ. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I've seen quite a few uh, pictures from your social media of other golfers playing the golf course. And I think you guys host some types of events as well for these guys or some of the other players as well, don't you? Uh, we have the wishbone that John came up with a, I don't know, three, four years ago where the, uh, who was it? We had Xander. Uh, who was the first one? Xander Dean, Chris Riley, and Charlie Hoffman played. Uh, we played on the Saturday before Thanksgiving, raising money for different charities. And, uh, and last year, we Jeff Ogilvy played, and uh, he had a walk-off hole-in-one last year. Have you seen that? I saw that video. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. It was crazy. And it's cool that you know, Xander and the pros will you know, come in, and you know we have galleries out here. We have no ropes. You know, you can walk with them it's it's kind of like the the 60s it was uh it's it was it's our we had three of them so far and it's, they're just amazing like mike weir played you know <laughs> i mean when you're no way yeah. so yeah we've had a u.s open champion the tour champion the masters champion right so it's uh <laughs> it's crazy that's cool yeah i mean from my perspective of goat hill as well i mean i know it's not just for junior golfers but it certainly seems like a great place for junior golfers to go isn't it Oh uh, yeah, well, you know, any course is a good course, but yeah, we have a three-hole course called the playground. So first hole is forty-five yards, and then I think the second one's twenty-five, and then like a fifty-yarder, and it's a donation base. So the kids are all anybody can go out there and and play the three holes, and we don't ask for any money; we just ask to have a little donation box there that they can uh, put some bucks in. That's so cool. Is does it get busy? Like, are there people utilizing that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot of kids and parents come out there and. And go around a couple of the kids, you know, come out every week and play like, you know, for three hours. Could you imagine if every golf course and driver range just implemented something like that into the game of golf? You know, it wasn't really that hard. And oh, by the way, it was shaped by Gil Hans's shaper. So, I mean, you know, John, John knows people in Ashworth. So, uh, yeah, wow. Gil Hans's shaper came over and shaped our playground for us. <laughs> That is so cool. What a place and what a facility that you're working at. And I'm sure you see yourself there for forever, don't you? Oh, yeah. I don't even call it work, right? I just kind of, it's kind of like I just hang out there and, you know, help people with golf. I mean, it's, I don't really, I don't think I've worked a day. Well, I did work a couple of days in my life, but there's a little time at the car wash in between mini tours, right? Kind of thing. And then working in the steel mill when I was, uh, I think I was 20 when I worked in the steel mill. And we had the blizzard of 78 in Cleveland. That's when that next two weeks later, I moved to California. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the blizzard of 78. Yeah. Minus 60 degrees. Yeah. Walking, right. walking into the mill. Yeah. I said, no, but the goat, the goat is a special place with special people. And it's even the, you know, it's called world class for the working class. So we try to keep it pretty uh, down low. That's my type of place. I'll tell you what, that's my type of place. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, you talk about how golf can take you places. What places have you seen junior golfers go? Well, you know, I just see myself. I mean, you know, I started like I started playing a long time ago. And then 1974, I qualified. I played in a tournament in Cleveland. My parents never played golf. So I would just, people take me or I'd get a ride to tournaments. And I played, I came in second. They go, hey, you know, you qualify for the Optimus Junior World Championship in San Diego. I'm like, oh, great. You know, so. So, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm on a plane, I go to San Diego and I'm at Torrey Pines. Oh, wow. I mean, so it's, 
you know, that changed my life right there. I mean, four years later, I moved, moved to San Diego. So that was life changing. But, you know, through our program, North County Junior Golf, I mean, we've had, you know, girls go to college, you know, had four girls at one time, all played, you know, have scholarships at Division One schools. And we have Haley Moore and Alana Ural, they're on LPGA currently. And we have uh, Haley, she's uh, Haley Whitbeck, she works for Northern California Golf Association. So, I mean, the golf can just, it, you meet people, it takes you places. It's, uh, you know, look at you where you've gone with golf. It, it just is a great, it's just a great game. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah. There's not many games where you can virtually play anywhere in the world. And, you know, like you said, you, you might end up in a place and think, well, you know, I could actually live here and I could play golf or do golf as a profession. Right. And it's just amazing where it can take you. And, you know, from what we've seen as well with the PGA Tour players, I mean, those guys play in some crazy places, right? I mean, there's even a big tournament now in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild, isn't it? And even junior golf, like if you're playing, you know, AJJ or whatever, you know, we'd work our schedule around somewhere kind of vacation, you know, so, hey, you know, there's a tournament in Oregon, let's go up to Oregon and we'll go do a family vacation, play this little tournament and see, you know, see what's up there. So yeah, I could take you anywhere. Right. I mean, you recently, you were in Pinehurst with some of your junior golfers. Is that right? I was. Yeah, I was in there with Reed Arnaldo. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you caddying or coaching or what were you doing there? I was caddying, mostly caddying. I try to, you know, I try to keep the caddy motto of show up and shut up. But uh, one time Reed asked me for the club. I gave him the wrong club and he three-putted. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing no more. You pick your own. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. But yeah, Pinehurst is beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. And I know you you post some pictures, and quite often, I mean, I know you know a lot of these these guys, and some of these guys have come through the goat. But you post a lot of pictures with Xander Chauflet, and he's from San Diego, right? Yes. How did you meet him? Well, uh, so my, again, my son Evan coaches San Diego State. So when Xander transferred there as a junior, Evan was basically you know, at every tournament with Xander, and you know, hanging out with him all the time. So. We, we kind of met that way. You never encountered him or came across his play before he got into the college golf. Is that right? That's correct. No, he played a little junior golf. He didn't play a lot of junior golf. His dad had a little bit of a different, you know, theory about junior golf and stuff. So he didn't really play that many tournaments. You know, it wasn't, I think Xander, and I'm not sure, but they, they focused more on the process, you know, than than the results. Yeah, I, I read something that his dad didn't show him his golf swing until he was like 19 and his dad's what is his golf coach as well or his swing coach right yeah he's more of a feel old school kind of player than the modern golfer i would say that's amazing where it's taken him at this point isn't it yeah xander's uh he's a special player and he's great family great team you know great work ethic you know great guy gives back very very mellow and you know he's he's our keep it classy san diego guy right (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I had the pleasure of watching him win in 2018 in Shanghai, China. And I was there with some students on Sunday and he went into the playoff with Tony Finau. And I was front, fortunately had a front row seat right there on the 18th green to watch him finish up and do the playoff. And man, it was amazing. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah. He birdied the last three holes there. And, and he, uh, he said when he got into the scoring tent, he goes, he didn't even know he buried the last three holes. <laughs> I believe it because just this last year in 2019, when he was in a playoff with Rory McIlroy, he birdied the last hole as well. And 
he was down by one against Rory going to the last hole and he birdied it just seemed so calm and just everything just seemed just, I don't know, normal, you know, and obviously he didn't win, but he still had two great years in a row there in Shanghai. And I'm sure the next time he shows up, he'll have another good one. Yeah, he mentally, he's just, he has everything. I mean, mentally, physically, he's got the team. He's just, he's really special. I mean, you would never have thought me, but I mean, you know, Xander is just a, he's a good guy, nice player, you know, but boy, he's really, he's really embraced the process and, and just uh, kept developing, you know, and he's had some heartbreaks too out there the, on the web.com. I think the guy birdied the last hole and knock him out of the top 25 and he had to do the reshuffle and stuff. But I mean, he just takes those hardships and turns them around right and makes it like a positive i mean that's the best mindset to have isn't it you talk about his team and i want to get back now to make golf fun affordable competitive but we got to talk a little bit about junior golf and i know this is an area that i would say you specialize in when i think of golf in southern california or junior golf i'm sorry in southern california i always think of you so you talk about his team Let's talk about how to create a team and a support system for a junior golfer. Let's kind of go through those steps. Parents do it certain ways. And, you know, I've learned through the years that I, I don't really criticize, you know, the dad's out there yelling at his kid on the range. I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but that's how he does it. I've seen that work sometimes. You know, I'm not sure if it works all the time. Right. Right. And I've seen the other, you know, I just drop them off and leave them. So, I mean, there's some kind of in between, I guess, but, uh, yeah, the support system and the team, I think, is critical. I, I, you know, talking to Stefan, Xander's dad, he talked about how that was important. So what do you mean by that? Like, what, what is the team? What is the support system? Well, you know, part of it is having a person there who can kick a player in the butt sometimes and say, hey, you know what? This is not, you can't sugarcoat it all the time, right? Oh, it's okay, you know, that you did this. It's okay. You, it's okay. You know, sometimes it's not okay, right? And sometimes you got to tell the person, hey, if this is your goal, then... I mean, it, it all starts with the goal, right? Sitting down and, and what do you want, right? I mean, and I know a five-year-old kid doesn't know what he wants, right? And they all want to be Tiger Woods, but the team is, you know, starts with the parents, obviously, you know. Absolutely. You've got the parents and obviously there's a lot of different rules, like you said, the parents can have in their involvement with the junior golfer. And sure, there's the rules, like you said, there's the dad yelling at the kid and there's a lot of other ones, like you said, that just drop them off. From your experience, what else can parents do to be more involved in a positive way to be part of that support system? I have a junior golfer who's very competitive and uh, wants certain things, you know, and he's kind of like a, I think a mentally kind of special. He comes from his mom used to fly C2 planes and land them on aircraft carriers. So, no way. So, yeah, you know, it's just that setting the goal and then, you know, supporting them. You know, like I know this player likes to, you know, hit balls in the morning before he goes to school. So the mom will take him there and sit in the car or, or hang out and while he practices for an hour. I mean, so you need that kind of support, right? So you need the, the person who, hey, I need to go practice to, you know, be able to take him there, right? Right. Then you need the emotional support, right? I mean, because that's always, that's a key point too, as far as, um, you know, being there for your junior golfer every way, right? Sometimes they need a kicking the pants sometimes they need a hug right so it's just trying to figure out when they need that hug and when they need the not the hug <laughs> right no absolutely yeah and then like and then like this player he has a little you know he's since he's high strung and a very competitive player he he has a little bit of a i wouldn't say a temper you know but a desire to to do really well and when he doesn't you know he would start to do things so his mom said hey, i'm taking him to a mental coach and i'm like i think that's great how old is he He's 12. 
Okay. But I mean, you know, if you see your son like acting a certain way, she said, Hey, you know, I, that's not, it's not what I do. I can't help you in that regard, but I will get you somebody who can help you with that. And she saw it as a being a holding him back a little bit. Right. And as a parent, she wants him to be able to like keep going forward. So bringing this person in to talk to him about emotions on the course, I think it's really helped him. And, I, and that's, you know, like being a teaching pro and I've been around for a while, but that's really not my, my forte. Right. So, Hey, I'm absolutely, let's do it. Right. Absolutely. Is there a certain age you think that kids are capable of seeing a mental coach to get help from? In this case, it was just, we knew there was a problem with the emotions of it, you know, like getting too into it, like, you know, hitting your head with the putter, <laughs> hitting the putter, right? Like, he's going to hurt himself. I better get him some help, right? But I'd say later on, I'd say more like, you know, kind of probably high schoolish is probably a good start because in high school, you really start seeing the changes as far as uh, the college and a lot of stress as far as parents putting in. Kids, you know, you got to college, I'm invested in this, you know. So I think that's when they need somebody to talk to. What do you think about developing mental game for young juniors before they get to that point? Are there some things that we can do as parents and as coaches to help kids, you know, before they get to that point to have to move on to a mental coach? Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big person, a big uh, personal par setter, you know, and I think setting your personal par and uh, I really encourage the kids like they'll come and say, I beat Johnny yesterday. It's like, no, you didn't beat Johnny. You just played better on the course. Right. You know, so I always try to focus more on old man par and, you know, setting your personal par because I, I think if kids try to like, and I know I was never the number one golfer in Ohio. I was always like maybe three, four, five. And then as I got older, I became number one later. But I just think that you have to set a personal par when you do play, uh, keep track of your good shots you know, set goals, but never try to play against another person. I mean, just you're always trying to improve yourself and, and play the course. Are there any like tricks that you have that help kids kind of get that mindset? Because it's really tough. Like even when I play golf now, like I know I'm playing against the golf course, but there's still those times that I'm like, okay, I'm playing against Ryan, my buddy, and I have to beat him, but then I have to bring myself back and I can do it as an adult, but as a junior golfer, like, how do you, how do you talk to kids about that? Well, you know, we get on the first tee and I go, hey, you know, this is a par four for the pros. I go, are you guys a pro? They go, no. I go, okay, well, your par here is a five. Okay, so it's going to take you three to get on and hopefully you can get up putting two. And if you do that, if you make four pars, say, I'll get you like an ice cream bar. That's a great suggestion. Rory's dad actually did that with him and he made it like par sevens. And then Rory said he got to a point that he was like, you know, he was shooting like 10 under par and nine holes from what his par was. And he said that confidence really helped him in his professional career that he wasn't afraid of going low. And he said that he thinks that really helped. And when you said that, just sparked that memory of mine that that's what his dad used to do. So I think that's a great tactic. Well, like the kids, they'll come on, they'll go, hey, you know, I shot 79 from the blue, the blue tees. I go, why don't you shoot, you know, 69 from the forward tees? <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. That's a good point. Tiger Woods kind of started that to his dad and, and Tiger's doing it with his, with his son, Charlie, you know, setting their own personal par and, you know, always playing to that, right? Not playing against somebody. Right. I mean, Bobby Jones discovered old man par back in the 20s. If you read any of Bobby Jones, he didn't become a really great golfer until he started playing the course. I think that's a great piece of advice there for parents and for coaches to help their kids out. So you got the parents and their support system. You know, you talked about the emotional side. Obviously, there's the financial side and just getting them to the golf course. Who else is part of the, the team? Well, I know we always try to get an equipment person. So 
uh, as the kids grow, they grow an uh, inch or two every year maybe. So we have like a little formula. Uh, so they usually play from, you know, golf starts here in January and it goes through, you know, usually October. So then we'll kind of reset and, you know, redo the goals and get the equipment dialed in, you know. So um, we either go to TaylorMade or we have a couple of fitters that will will take the kids to to make sure their clubs are all dialed in. And, and uh, so it's, you know, nutrition, equipment, the mental, you know, the team coach, the agent. Well, I, the 12-year-olds don't have agents yet, but. <laughs> right <laughs> that does become part of the team right uh, right the team grows as you know the kids get older too i mean xander's got a guy i think who like you know they study like you know breaking putts you know like xander's the best putter when left to right putts from 12 feet they have a guy like charting that no way <laughs> so he's that's crazy <laughs> something like that right <laughs> going back to something you talked about with the goals and parents holding kids accountable I had this idea of what I would like to implement in my junior golf coach in the future is kind of having like an older junior golfer look after a younger junior golfer. And the older one can obviously share stories and experience with the younger junior golfer of what the older one's gone through. But also I think the older one can maybe hold the younger one accountable and be like an accountability partner for helping the younger junior golfer out because as parents, we can hold our kids accountable for the goals that they talk about, but sometimes they don't want to hear it, or maybe they don't even want us to hold them accountable. But if it comes from a third party, let's say another kid, maybe that actually might work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a hundred percent. Like we have a caddy academy here at Goat Hill Park where the kids caddy during the summer and that, you know, we raise money and then we pay the kids from that. But we take the caddies who help like North, they play North County junior golf. They become the caddies. And then, like you said, I mean, that mentoring program is, and you're, you're right on a hundred percent. I mean, they love the little kids, love the bigger kids, big kids, love the little kids excitement. And it's uh that's, there's a no doubt about that. That's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. For sure. Let's talk about a couple of do's and don'ts for junior golf. Let's start with the do's. I always make it fun, right? Support the desire, right? I mean, if they have the desire, then, you know, we, we just always have to support it. Right. And have it be up to your kid. You know, it's not like Tiger Woods' dad never made him practice. I mean, it was more like, hey, I want to go. Like, for Reed, he goes, hey, I want to get up before school and go practice. Can I? And they're like, sure, you can. You know, I'll help you out. But, um, you know, have it be up to your child. Not say, hey, you're going to get up at 6, and you're going to run a mile, and then you can go hit balls for two hours. I mean, that, I don't think that's the way to go. And encourage participation. I mean, you know, it's some kids are afraid to get out there because – you know, there's, I mean, golf is hard. I mean, you put the peg in the ground, you play 18 holes, it's, you know, good, bad, and ugly, like all day long and pretty emotional. So um, I just think encourage the participation and, and do look at the, the long range. Like, you know, sometimes I'll tell the kids, hey, look, look at nine months ago, you couldn't even get the ball in the air and now look how you're doing. So, you know, it's always important, I think, to look back. So do look back where you started and where you are now. And you'll see that, wow, I'm really, I've really gotten a lot better. For sure. You know, it's funny is actually Facebook is great for that. And I've noticed like just with my son, I mean, I know he's so young, but I've seen some videos that just popped up, you know, like they show you like, oh, here was from a year ago or two years ago, or whatever. Right. And like you start thinking, it's like, geez, you know, my kid hasn't made any progress or, you know, they're not improving or whatever. And then that's just what's in your mind. But then actually we look at the fine details or look at some of those things you talked about and you look back on it. 
you could probably write down a long list of things that you've actually improved on. And that will really help with your confidence and kind of spring you forward and motivate you to keep playing, right? Because if you just look at it as a whole, it's like, oh, my score is the same as it was last year, right? Well, well, let's look into the details of that. And I'm sure you can find a lot of small wins in between. And when you look back on a year ago, two years ago, you'll be like, geez, actually, I have come a long ways. That's great advice. I love that. And I, like I do, you do have to encourage the kids and tell them, hey, you're doing better. It's, this is how it's going to be, too. Sometimes you set them up. You know, if you're changing from 11, 12, going to 13, 14-year-old division, you're like, hey, you know what? You, you know, you do need to work on different shots, and it's going to be a longer course, and, you know, da-da-da. So, you know, there's always that kind of you get to a level, and then you go to the next level. There's, there's a little learning curve, isn't there, you know, until you can jump up and, and get to that. For sure. Absolutely. I think I think kids should play other sports too. I mean, and I think that's important. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau has talked about that. I think he played volleyball and golf like in the same season. So I think playing other sports is important. No, I totally agree. I think it also kind of gives kids sometimes a break, even if it's not at the same time like Bryson, but it gives them a break. And then let's just say for three months, they focused on soccer and they come back after three months like, well, geez, I'd like to pick up my clothes and play golf again. They're more excited they want to play more. They want to practice harder. And, you know, their skills actually don't really disappear. No, and they, they, probably they, gained, they probably gained some skills from playing soccer as well. That helps them in their game of golf. So, yeah, I totally agree. And, when they, and they get out there and all of a sudden they're hitting the driver like 15 yards further. When I grew up in Ohio, it, obviously it was seasonal. So, you know, we'd play and it'd snow for six months and you get out there and all of a sudden you're playing. And now the tree that you used to hit the ball to, now you're hitting it by like 20 yards. Like, hey, this is great. I'm like... I gotten better, right? You're doing every day. You don't really see how you're getting better, but sometimes when you look back, you take time off and get going again. You're like, I'm hitting it longer. I putt better. Everything's gotten a little better. Right. You know, I think the number one do is always, you know, promote the education for school, right? I mean, school is so important. People get, you know, golf is number one, but it should always be school, I think. Well, you can't plan a deal on school if your grades are, are no good. Exactly. Give us two don'ts. Well, I mean, I think the number one don't is don't brag about the kids in front of the kids you know and I got that from Arnold Palmer you know Arnold Palmer's his dad Deacon was a pretty stern old school guy and Arnold said hey you know Arnold's winning the USAM and all these things and you know he never his dad never really let on to Arnold was kind of like yeah my dad I don't know you know I, I think he thinks I'm good but I'm not sure right then I guess Arnold one time was in the other room and Deacon was somewhere else and Deacon was saying about how proud he was, uh, how what Arnold has done, you know, but he would never tell him in front of Arnold, right? So, you know, oh, my kid did this in front of the kid, right? That's one of mine. And the other one would be the, uh, you know, you shouldn't demand your kid to play in practice, I don't think. I mean, you can lead them to that, right? Like, hey, if you want to be a good player, this is what you have to do. But I don't think you should really, you know, you have to get up this morning and go play golf. So what do you do to make golf fun during your practices or just at Goat Hill? What do you do for the kids to make it fun? Well, you know, the thing about fun in golf is if you play better, it's always more fun, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the fun of it in golf is, you know, the socialization of it, the um, a little bit of reward, right? I mean, most of the kids come out for the, like you said, they remember the candy. But we try to keep it fun by doing, when we do short game, we'll chip up in one putt. You know, we'll have like a little contest, you know. So I always like to have a little bit of kind of a friendly competition there just to get them to learn how to focus. It's funny how you have a kid out there and they're just, unfocused and you say hey if you get this like up and down i'll get you like a snicker bar right and next thing you know they've hit this great chip and made a 10 footer 
<laughs> you're like where, where was that like all day it's like right so right uh, to keeping it fun it's you know having i like to have a little competition and then you know reward them with something what about on the golf course golf is a grind right i mean even as a kid i mean the fun part of the fun is just grinding it out i think you know and really trying to do your best right i mean fun is three things right it's love what you're doing who you're doing it with and where you're doing it so I mean, that's part of the fun, right? Just, I love golfing. That's fun. I love being on the course. That's fun. Love playing with my coach or by myself or with my friends. Those, those are all fun things, right? We can't, you know, be, I hit a good shot. I'm happy. I hit a bad shot. I'm sad. You know, it's like, uh, it's just being out there is fun and, you know, seeing how good you can get is fun. But, uh, you know, I think always that reward is kind of a nice thing, right? I also think, you know, like part of what you said is like who you're playing with. I think getting the whole family involved in golf is also great. Brothers, the sisters, mom and dad, get everybody, grandpa, grandma, whoever you can, get them involved and you never know what it'll turn into. Only if they could not start teaching. You know, the hard thing with the playing with the family, right, is all of a sudden, oh, you're, why'd you hit that shot bad? Oh, look, you got your ball in the front of your stance. I, I try to tell the parents, just be a golfer, right? Don't be a parent. When you go to the For golf sure. course with your kid, you're not a golfer. You're, I mean, you're not a parent, you're a golfer. So right. Right? leave them alone. Let them do their thing. You focus on your thing, right? And it'll be a better situation. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I've talked about this a lot on different episodes in the podcast, but everybody has their role. So you've got the coach, you've got the player, and you've got the parent. And when those roles begin to cross, then you start to see some issues. So I totally agree with that. So I think, and I agree with you, that getting the family out there, getting to play, as long as they're all in the player's role where, you know, everybody's playing golf, they're having fun, they're playing their own ball. And that's the whole point of the experience, then I think it's amazing, right? But yeah, of course, if the rules start to cross, then yeah, uh, you know, some of the fun starts to disappear, doesn't it? You know, one of my don'ts, and you only gave me two, but my other don't would be do not talk golf at the dinner table. I like that. And golf is, it's like work. You know, you, you work, you don't bring it home. You know, it's golf, you golf, you come home, you talk about anything else. Life. Anything else, you know, just anything else but golf. Now, if, they, if the kid brings it up and they want to talk about golf, I think that would be different, right? You know, Johnny says, hey, you know what? I want, I want to go play tomorrow. Let's go play somewhere. They're, okay, let's, let's do it, right? How do we make golf more affordable? You know, not every place has a goat hill, or maybe it does, but, you know, how do we make golf more affordable for junior golfers? That's the million-dollar question, right? But, I mean, we have in, in San, Southern California, we have the SCGA, and they have a junior golf pass. So it's a small membership fee per year, but it's, uh, you know, $5 green fees and $2 for a bucket of balls. Uh, North County, we raise money, and so we have a scholarship program. You know, I think if you could create a nonprofit and raise some money and then have the kids go for free and you could pay the pros for their time to teach them. I think it's a great role, great way to go, but no one's ever done it yet, kind of. But <laughs> we kind of do it here. We, we know North County Junior Golf is a, a nonprofit, so we raise money. People are great. They, they support it. And then, like, we, we pay the pros to teach, but then the kids get to go for free. I like that idea. I think that's great. That's a great idea. And what about competition? You have your own tournament organization, right? Right. We have the North County Junior Golf Association. We started in 1998. Yeah. So we have, um, so. We do about 26 tournaments a year. It's, I like to call it developmental. We do all ages and skill levels. So we have cor- we have tournaments on executive courses and championship courses. Okay. So, and then we have the playground at Goat Hill Park. We have the Caddy Academy. We do the Wishbone. So it's kind of branched out into different things. But, uh, yeah, the competition is interesting. 
<laughs> when do you think a kid's ready for competition? Is there a certain age or skill level that you think they'd be ready for competition? I, I know, like you said, you have beginners and you have all levels coming in. It's developmental. But when is a kid ready to compete from your experience? Well, I think when the kid says, Daddy, I want to play in a tournament. Hey, Johnny, you know, hey, you're getting pretty good at golf. Would you like to go play in a tournament? Well, what's a tournament? You know, then you can like talk to him about it or anything. Because I, I think some people put their kids in the tournaments that are way over their head. But I think a great example is like Tiger Woods and Michelle Wee, right? So right. Tiger Woods' dad wanted Tiger to dominate every level. Like if you win 14 tournaments in the 11-12 division, that's great, right? You're learning how to win. Michelle Wee was playing against the guys at 13. She never played junior golf. She never won 25 tournaments in a year like Tiger did. And then look at look at their careers, right? That's yeah, true. No, it's true. Putting kids in a, an event when, you know, when they're ready, right? Like, you know, if they could start shooting under 80 and stuff, I mean, I don't see how it's a good experience when your kid shoots 92 in a tournament. I, I've been there before, maybe not 92, but I, it was never really that much fun when I went out and shot, you know, 86. <laughs> I mean, play your home course, get to where you can get to a certain level, like breaking 40 or shooting 40 or better, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think, then I think you're ready to go. I, I think if you can get under 80, I think you're about ready to start playing in some tournaments, right? And then you can see how you let, how you stack up, and also stay on the local tour, like North County Junior Golf. I mean, you know, if you can win six or seven tournaments, how's that for your confidence? You go to another tour and you come in 25th place, like every tournament. I mean, after a couple of years, what do you, you know, I may go swimming or something or play volleyball, right? I mean, I also like the PGA Junior League to get kids at least into some sort of competitive golf because there's some kids that play in PJ Junior League the first few years. Maybe their ball's not even chosen once, or maybe they make a putt on the putting green and it helps the team and it boosts their confidence. But at least it's a very gentle way of getting them into competition. And then that might lead them into coming to mom and dad and say, hey, I want to play in a tournament. I think the Junior League's great. We've had Junior League teams here. I think it's it really it's good for the game. It gets a lot of kids involved in it. I think it's good. Before I let you go, David, is I'd love for you to share some final words of inspiration for raising golfers. Yeah, I think, like you said, you know, it's a it's a family. It's a great family game. Um, you got to keep it simple. I think it teaches you a lot of teaches kids a lot of stuff, etiquette, sportsmanship, how to compete. You know, how to not to be a good loser, but you know, how to lose with dignity, right? But still care. Thing like Bobby Jones would. I think kids should, you know, get into history. I think the parents should get more into the history of the game. And, and it's been around a long time. And, you know, you're not going to figure out the game of golf. You're just going to continue to play it and it's going to evolve. And my own number one thing is really trying to get the parents less involved in golf with the kids. Let it be something that they do on their own and let them, you share with it, you share of it, but and be part of it. But it's really not about the parent and our, our motto for North County junior golf, it's all about the kids. Right. So I know a seven year old doesn't know what he wants, but you know, we shouldn't force anything down there, down there to him. So. And if people want to find out more about you, what you're doing, your North County junior golf association and goat Hill, where could they find more about you? You know, I'm not a big internet guy, but you can check me out at Emirate golf dot com and then uh, North County Junior Golf uh, has a website and obviously Goat Hill Park is uh, is my home. Is I'm sitting in my garage looking at the golf course right now, getting ready to go give some lessons all day. So uh, it's gonna be another enjoyable day. I am truly blessed. I mean, I own 
the golf gods are looking down on me. It, it's been a, a great journey, and I owe so much to golf. I, I really am so grateful. The golf, the game has given me so much. I can't even give back enough. I, I'll, in my lifetime, I'll never be able to to give back enough to what the the game is just giving me and, and just stay patient, you know, enjoy the process. And, you know, golf will take you places. It will. It's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing sport. I totally agree. Well, thanks so much for having this conversation with me today and sharing your experience and knowledge with everyone. And I know that they will appreciate it as well. Travis, thank you so much. And your podcast is great and uh, keep up the great work. I hope to meet you one day. Cool. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you, Travis. Have a great day. And that was the end of the chat with David Emmerich from Goat Hill. I love the story he shared about himself and where golf has taken him and how much he feels he owes to the game of golf. And I think he's just doing some great things in the San Diego area. If you get a chance to go to San Diego and you haven't already, go check out Goat Hill. It's a great facility. It'll be a good challenge, amazing views, and I'm sure it'll be an experience that you'll remember. Before you tee off, if you have time, maybe you can play at the playground. It's that three-hole challenge course where they don't charge a green fee, but they do take donations. So a couple things that I took away from what David had to say was he talked about the importance of accountability. And one thing that we agreed upon is to have an accountability partner. Well, that can be your parents, maybe it could be your coach, or it could be a peer. But if the junior golfer is going to set some goals, we have to hold them accountable for some of the things that they say and the things that they do to try to keep them in line and to continue to progress towards their goals. And something that we've heard a few times, so we talked about some of the junior golf do's and don'ts. One of the ones I've heard from multiple coaches is having the parents just try to take a step back. I think it's a very difficult task and I think about myself and how I'd have to step back from the involvement of my kids and the sports that they're playing. But I know deep down that if I do take a step back, let them have fun, let them enjoy it. And at the dinner table, like David talked about, not necessarily talk about golf, talk about something else. There's so many things to talk about in life that the dinner table or at home is not necessarily a place that we have to talk about golf. So I, I really appreciated that and enjoyed that piece of information he shared. I really enjoyed the chat with David today. I hope you did as well. And I hope there was many things that you took away as I know I did. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.